like over three months went from athletic to a NARP. Yeah. Do you know what NARP is? No. Non-athletic regular people <laughs> or non-athletic regular person. Yeah. Okay. So they went from, you know, high performing individuals to NARPs. What's the difference between a NARP and a dad, like a dad bod or like a mom bod? Is um, it roughly the same? I mean, you can have a dad bod in, in workout, I guess. Yeah, that's true. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Haley, and I am joined by Sauce Balls, 12 weeks out from the Olympia debut, <laughs> Ross Flanagan. Skirt. Hey, Rabdo can't keep this guy out of the podcast chair. <laughs> Listen, we finally break down Ross's bodybuilding journey from the start, the first check-in picks he ever sent Dom, even before that, back to when he was being recruited for football in high school to now and how much has changed. You guys are really in for a good podcast. This is one you can listen to on the gym, on the drive to the gym. But if you're listening on the drive to work, you're going to be more fired up than ever. So your productivity might be out of control today. So, listener, beware. We're, we drop some fire inside. Fire. Get ready. I'll see you inside. All right, it's Texas Pro Weekend. Unfortunately, this is going to get dropped a little bit after that weekend. But uh, first, I want to I want to shout out my boy Justin Jacoby. Pro debut. It's about to go down. I got the shirt in last night. I was like, this is the best. This is the best delivery I've had. Is he on a toilet? Oh, you. He's hack squatting. Oh, jo- Justin, I thought you were taking a shit. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to put on a shirt, huh? Hey, he's peeled. Uh, wow, I'm impressed. I'm he, impressed. He looks cuter when he's fatter, though. He does. I know. He looks he doesn't so look serious. Good. He doesn't look good. He looks mean. Yeah. He looks angry. Yeah. I, like, I love it. I like when he's a little f- rounder. Um, when he's a little rounder, he reminds me of a Teletubby, like a Jack Teletubby. <laughs> like his face is pretty, pretty fat. <laughs> and, and when he's peeled, he reminds me of um, like, uh, who's that martial artist? Um, um, like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um ish well yeah uh, oh, fuck i'm thinking like bruce what's his name bruce lee bruce, some shit not bruce lee bruce lee <laughs> justin you remind me of bruce lee that makes no sense i promise you don't remind me he of has bruce the flat lee. top and like the like uh street fighter yeah um he he kind of looks like one of the mortal combat guys yeah jacoby looks yeah. like one of the more some, Kombat of, the, some guys. One of those action figure yeah martial artist video yeah i players. think he has such a cool physique yeah be honest, how you think he's going to do? This comes out after the text pros, it doesn't matter. Um, 212 is super hard. Very hard. It's the the, the winner's clear as day, Keon. No, I don't think it's clear. He's he, Who's he going to be pushed by? I And dude, after seeing like what I see on pro stages. You're right. Instagram and potential right. is one thing. You're right. The motherfucker that shows up hard, dry, and shredded yep. will win the show. So, so by that. By that, if nature, Keon shows up shredded, Jacoby is has a chance then because he's yeah. going to be one of the most peel guys. On stage. I think that it, if you like look at them in a vacuum, it's hard to compare. But when you're the the when you're side by side to someone that's a little softer, mm-hmm. just the physique pops. And is in in my opinion. I mean, we saw that with you. Yep, we mm-hmm. saw that with you. You. If we're being 1,000% honest from a genetic capability component, you have no business beating someone like Tonio. Yeah, Amazing competitor. Yeah. A plus who actually trained by Jacoby now. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing competitor. You got to you got the edge on him because you went out. You were so peeled. Um, I'm trying to think of everyone who's won this year. 
I mean, I, I think you had the best conditioning of on a pro stage yet this year. Would you agree with that? Well, that was what were the shows? Antonio, uh, Ian, Brett won last year. So Brett that, won last uh, season. Hassan, um, who won shows? Yeah, I'm trying. Justin Shire. Yeah, that, the, the stage lighting. You know, he was on the podcast. Yeah, I about I, that. It hasn't yeah, dropped yet. I did not. Yeah, but the stage lighting in Chicago was so terrible. But you were still you were leaner than him. Um, we talked about you on that podcast, actually. We were oh. talking about like the call out predictions at the Olympia, and he's like, you know, I look at guys like Ross, um, Brett, Tonio. Um, he's like, well, you know, we'll probably all be in the same call out, and like it's funny because before that podcast, I was driving in, you know, Justin and I go back about three or four years, and I was like, dude, you know what's crazy? Like, you know, obviously me and you are as close as we are. Like, Shire and I are, you know, relatively close for just being like social media buds. Um, you know, obviously Nick and I have been close for a while, but he's going to be in a different call out. Like you guys are going to be like standing next to each other. Me and Brett are friends. Tonio's Jacoby's guy. Like you guys are going to be standing. You guys are probably going to be in the same call out. If you look at past Olympias, the yeah. trends after the first four or five people, the conditioning is horrible. I agree. Like I looked at, you know, blessing. I looked at Justin Rodriguez, Yeah, all those dudes last year, they were off season shape. I agree. So I think that that new crowd of dudes are gonna. I, I don't want to say like I I started this trend, but I'm pushing this conditioning. You absolutely are. And say it. You can say you started a trend. Why not? Everyone saw what you did. You yeah. were supposed to win and, that show. I know. I wasn't. I wasn't even fucking. It wasn't even on my mind. Not a single person had you winning the show. <laughs> no. myself included on the podcast. <laughs> the most biased person that there is. No one did, um, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm sort of going to humbly speaking bringing the standard up you are conditioning you are because they're like oh shit if i want to win i gotta be shredded you, and, and if you get truly shredded you have a chance to actually win if you came in in shape you'd been what third fourth in that show fifth you know maybe but you came in so ungodly peeled and you know i think shire came in great to chicago i it, it's difficult you can't see his state shots mm -hmm. i watched the youtube i saw the you know the the footage of him before prejudging before finals yada yada um so like i saw that I saw obviously like the IG picks and like, you know, we were just talking about the IG picks and like people come in and they just look way different than they actually did on online. But Jansen never Jansen. I, I, you can't, I can't say that about Jansen's guys. Jansen's guys usually look like pretty on par. You know, they do the black and white shots. He loves those. I mean, they, they show up on stage looking roughly the same. Like he was peeled. He was in shape. Mm -hmm. Shire just has a crazy look to him. Uh, but you know what Shire said in that podcast is he's like, I think out of all those guys, and I think you might agree with this, Brett, Brett got it done so long ago. He's just been improving. Yeah. He has the potential to like kind of move out of that call out and like into maybe a call out that people aren't seeing him in right now. I think his look, the pictures I saw recent, I thought his look was nuts. Dude, I thought him versus Hunter was a three years ago in Chicago. I thought yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I forgot about that, that dude. I, in my opinion, like when I saw that, I was like, this is, yeah. this is top six Olympia. I agree. For sure. I agree. Um, and then I think Brett's issue, the, the like that when Arnold was just conditioning, yeah, but he redeemed himself in the uh, that Roma the Roma Romania, Romania, yeah, and the other I think Spain show or something, yeah, um, yeah, he got second at the Romania, right, and he won the Spain or maybe I have that backwards. No, nope, that's the I is, think that, that's right. is that right? Yeah. Um, 
Brett, should, dude, the way that guy improves is really impressive. I think, um, and you know, it's difficult because like I don't like making bodybuilding predictions because you standing alone look absurd. Just like Andrew Jack standing alone mm-hmm. looks absurd. Just like Nick standing alone looks absurd. Hot, but like until all of you guys are on stage, you just can't tell. But man, I'm looking at Brett and I'm like, dude, that is that's a unique physique. That's a physique that there's so much pop. To, I always, to I always thought he looked like Gary Stridham. I'm not familiar with who that is. I, I wish I knew who that was, but Look him up, yeah, Brett. I, I, I like. I'm a big, big fan of Brett. Yep. Um, how do you spell Stridham? Stridham bodybuilding. Let's see. Wow. Okay, you're pretty spot on there. Yeah. Yeah, he's six two. I think Brett's a little taller. Yeah, Brett's like five, maybe ten. five ten, five eleven. So um, he just has, dude. It's the shoulders, it's the arms. Um, he's so dense. Yeah, there's there's a lot of muscle packed in that. Oh, I've seen this guy before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I think this year's Olympia is just going to be really cool. But um, how are you feeling, man? You're twelve weeks out. It's go time. How you doing? You were struggling mentally there for a little bit. Can yeah, well, I had a couple. Yeah, that? I had a couple different struggles here. Um, so physically, I had rhabdo for the third time. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking dumpster fire. Uh, I ended up having compartment syndrome in my right tibia. Okay. Do you, are you familiar with compartment syndrome? I had it in my calves after track. That was the most painful. Yeah, awful. So how'd you fix that? Um, well, it's a symptom of rhabdo. So it, I didn't get compartment syndrome and then get rhabdo. I got rhabdo and it made my leg get compartment syndrome. I just flushed out the water. So got bloods, super high, like overhydrated to flush out all the, the rhabdo. The compartment syndrome finally went away. But then I was dealing with overhydration, which means I was peeing out all my electrolytes, except for potassium. Mm-hmm. So... For about three weeks, I was getting these spasms, but it was progressively getting worse and worse and worse until I was like, dude, I got to do something about this. So um, potassium, just like with everything in in the entire world and body, and this is why I hate some some questions and topics about like, are things good for you or things bad for you? Everything has limits. Everything. There should be a limit to everything. Sleep, water, sun, protein, chicken. Yep. There's a porn. There's an upper limit threshold. Everything. To everything. Mm -hmm. So my potassium levels were super high, which for those who don't know, potassium is an electrolyte. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, it can cramp. Mm -hmm. Cramp your heart. So we don't want that. So I was pounding these electrolyte supplements because I was overhydrated, pissing out the sodium. Mm -hmm. So what I was doing was I was fixing a problem, but making an existing one worse. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, my initial potassium levels were high and I got to retest and they were higher. So that potassium was just cr- cramping my quads, my IT band, my forearms and my front delt in my, uh, my pec. So you were just sitting there cramping? Not on a, not s- static, but when I'd move, like I just texted Dom and I was like, for the first time in three weeks, I could take a shit without cramping. Oh my God. Yeah. They're like spasms. They were yeah. like, Oh my God. Oh, oh. So. You help me out. Yeah. Now they're they're so faint. Good. But I have PTSD that they're going to yep. do this. Yep. So I still have a little cramping, but it's yeah. a lot better. But 
you you work through the rhabdo. Work, you were, yep. and, and for people who aren't familiar, compartment syndrome, my explain like I'm five um, version is essentially the fascia of a muscle's like constricting. The yep, act, build the, of a pressure. Yeah. And it's like killing muscle cells. Yep. And you can't, the, the limb and the muscle does not work anymore. Yeah. So like I wasn't able to walk. Yeah. It was just dragging. Yeah. And in some cases, like if you have real compartment syndrome, they have to slice it open. Yep, they do. To release the pressure. But you know that doesn't fix it in most cases. Well, you're not you're not fixing the root. Yeah. So they go into your so like I that that was one of the outlets for my calves. And that's what was originally chatted with me about was hey, we might have to go in and cut the fascia mm-hmm. and then you just allow it to recover naturally. You're gonna stitch up the skin, but the fascia is gonna be open in there and it's gonna have to essentially recover naturally. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I know for a fact there's got to be other modalities to this. So I had an incredible massage therapist at the time. Um, Gary was his name, Gary Daniels in Cincinnati. And he was a client of mine. And uh, I, w- I was in person training at the time. And he was like, I, I think we can fix this through massage. But at the time, Ross, if you touched my calf like that, oh, it hurt. Mm-hmm. It hurt. They were constantly numb and tingling, yep. but they definitely picked up on pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, d- I don't think I can do that, Gary. I don't think I can do that. And you, dude, he started so light. Like if you're watching on YouTube, like he started just like literally that light. You can see there's hardly any pressure. And he would just go through my calf and he would do this for probably 20 minutes on each. And over time, very, very smiley over time, now he's actually putting some pressure in and I'm relaxing. I'm, but man, my heart rate was just pounding because my body's trying to protect mm-hmm. what's going on. And this is both freaking calves. Oh, shit. So the right one actually relieved pretty quickly. After I had the first session, I felt relief. And then after about two months of three times per week, two hours, like one hour on each calf, yet, bro, it was terrible. It was terrible. This one like felt good and I could stretch it. I could feel it. I could like push off of it. The left one was misery. Mm. Um, and mind you, I've never trained calves a day in my life. So my calves are 100% genetic base and track base and basketball base and football and you know all the sports that I played. This left one, dude, it took so long. But at the end, like my right one felt good. And the relief that I felt from this one, I was like, you know what? I just have to catch the left one up. So I was like, Gary, go nuts. Just go ballistic. I mean, he's got us. He's going nuts. And I'm just dealing with the pain, dude. It fixed it. It fixed the compartment syndrome. And still to this day, it's so much better than it's ever been. But dude, that's not a fun experience to have. No. If if you've never had yeah, it, make I was, sure I was you never wreck. get it. Um, I told you before the podcast started. I feel like every time we're on, we talk about things other than your bodybuilding. I've mentioned many times that grower dies kind of go in a different direction than just strict bodybuilding. But there's something about your journey that I really love because you you started at a place where you had more muscle than most people, anyways. But your physique was pretty ugly. Like the pictures I've seen. Mm-hmm. The first set of pictures that you ever sent Dom, that was in 2007. 18. 18? Yeah. You played college football until when? Uh, 2013. And you you were a linebacker? No, running back. You were running back? They're both the same amount of crazy. Jacoby was running back too. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, I believe we played against each other. Yeah, I no way. yeah, yeah. Or I played his team and he was a year before me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Who won? We did. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. Um 
I feel like there's a lot of correlation between college football, uh, maybe wrestling. I think track, and there's not a lot of track guys who do who do bodybuilding. I think there's a big correlation between these three sports and going into bodybuilding. Do you feel like when you started bodybuilding that there were some things that carried over from your athletic career, just some disciplines, some mental regimens that you kind of already had an upper hand on other people? Well, I'm going to answer this question in a way that I want to, and it's not going to be a direct question. Okay. Because, you know, that's just me. Yeah. There's a direct correlation between my college career and bodybuilding. For me. Really? Okay. So I played D3 football for a D3 powerhouse. I feel I had the talent to go D2, D1, AA. That's who I was getting recruited by. But I just didn't have that. There was like that, uh, that like the the icing on the cake. Like I had the I had the I had the cake, yeah. but the frosting, yeah. you know, the frosting of the different D1 player, different. Yeah, it's a little tiny edge. Yeah. So I ended up going to Salisbury, very very hard school powerhouse football team. And I remember freshman, sophomore year, the the comments I would hear from these coaches when I was on scout team, oh, that boy's never going to play. He's white. Yep. So I played with a fairly mixed uh, mixed school. All the running backs were black. Mm -hmm. I was a white guy. Mm -hmm. You're never going to play. He's not. Flanning is not going to play a down. Flanning and sucks, blah, blah, I've heard. I heard that for two years. Mm -hmm. And... I knew I had the potential. I just needed that shot. I needed to, to, so the, the way you got on the field was you learned the offense. That was how you got the, your ability to, to shine. So I'm that second year I mastered the playbook. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am, when I get the chance, I am going to fucking show up. Mm -hmm. So I did the starting running back got injured. Flanagan get in that day. I scored three fucking touchdowns. Yep. Yep, it was fucking nuts. Was it your job the rest of the year? Yeah, and then the following year, and I was captain and, you know, one player of the week, literally every fucking week. Yep. And um, what kind I, of offense we talking? We, is this a run-heavy offense? Uh, I'd have yeah, 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 run-heavy, yep, yeah. Uh, triple option. No way, that's yep. fun. So I was triple option, running back, and then um, kick returner. Yeah. And I remember, so this is a really cool story. The, the running back coach who recruited me, yeah. black mm -hmm. or i was like one of the only white guys yeah he was like everyone told me his name was anthony anthony you're making a huge mistake recruiting this guy he's never gonna play and anthony was at my senior year after i was just dominating he goes i was the only one that believed in you and we're like we we're like super close mm -hmm. so bringing that to bodybuilding same sort of thing you looked at my physique yeah i had some muscle but it wasn't really you know, I wasn't a freak. Mm -mm. Um, and now I'm working, you know, to the top of the, the ranks fairly quickly in my second show. Very quickly, yeah. So I'm thinking in three years, if I just keep progressing exponentially and com compoundingly, I could be at the top. I agree. By 35. Yeah. So. What did Anthony see in you? Why did he want you so bad when nobody else did? Um, He didn't express that, but the way... I would per, per, perhaps guess I could always make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was always the fastest kid, mm. but I didn't have always the best blockers. So it's like, you can't always, exp, you know, showcase your skills if your fucking line sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably what it was. Yeah. Did you ever look up to like 
this this might seem unrealistic when you first think about it, but I think of like Barry Sanders, like he had no help. He had no one blocking for him. He was on the, probably the worst team in football, but he still got numbers. Did you ever like look up to someone like that? No, the, the only running backs I sort of looked up to were Terrell Davis. Oh yeah. TD. Yeah. Broncos. Yep. Um, and all the Patriots running backs. Of course. Because <laughs> they're white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What Bill Belichick does up there is pretty special. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy watching it. I think he's got a couple people he's brought in this offseason that seem to just be like, what in the world is, is well, this guy I, doing? I call Dom the Belichick yeah. of bodybuilding because- You do call him that. Yeah. yeah. Because he's taken me. Yeah. You know, I'm not anything crazy. Yeah. You know, someone- Someone's going to be like, what are you talking about, Ross? Your genetics are insane. No, they're not. They're, I wouldn't say they are. They're not. I wouldn't say they are. You know, you ha- it has perspective. Me compared to someone else on the street, yeah. 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 But me compared to- Tonio. Tonio. Yeah. Dexter Jackson. Yeah. Phil Heath. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. I think it's easier for me to have perspective with you because I've seen you for so long, for four years now. And- you know, when I first saw you, like, dude, you were a really good NPC bodybuilder. Um, that'd have been late 2019, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you were a good NPC bodybuilder. Um, you were someone who, like, wow, you know, he's definitely in contention to turn pro. And then, obviously, I saw you turn pro, and then I saw you go to Indy. And something that stood out to me at the time when you went to Indy was how many people whose opinions I respected saw something in you. There was a post Sulios made and Matt Jansen commented on it. And Jansen doesn't comment. He said, like, I, I think a lot of you guys are under something Ross, something along the lines, mm-hmm. like Ross is going to outperform. Yeah. Like what you guys are saying, you know, whatever happened, happened. But then it's like, that kind of stuck with me. And then I saw you continually progress, get better, just train really hard, do the things that it takes to do to improve as a bodybuilder. And, you know, show up this year and obviously, you know, the rest is history. But before you got started with Dom, there was a spark that you had. Something happened where you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go bodybuilding. Like it's not like it was a natural progression. You graduated college in 13. You didn't start bodybuilding with Dom until 18. Mm-hmm. So there was five years there. You missed competition. You just needed an outlet. Or what were you doing in that five-year time, and then what sparked it? Dude, honestly, I know I needed something. It was two things. All of my friends that I played football with mm-hmm. got fat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I cannot, because I saw them. Yeah. Like, literally gain weight. Yeah. Like, over three months, went from athletic to a NARP. Yeah. Do you know what NARP is? No. Non-athletic regular people <laughs> or non-athletic regular person. Yeah. Okay. So they went from, you know, high performing individuals to NARPs. What's the difference between a NARP and a dad, like a dad bod or like a mom bod? Is um, it roughly the same? I mean, you can have a dad bod and, and work out, I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's some guys I see but that. I'm talking about like, they're still pounding beers on Thursdays. Yeah. 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 And like they removed all of their calorie expenditure <laughs> they still eat the same chicken fingers you know pizza to fuel for practice yeah but then they remove the practice yeah <laughs> and um so it was that i know i needed a competition and then i saw this one video on youtube of like arnold or it may have been kai green of them posing on top of a mountain yeah. and what i saw was the symbolism of they have this highly 
um, sophisticated piece of art and they're surrounded by no one, meaning they ha- they're alone and they had to do it all themselves. And I think my senior year of college football was extremely frustrating for me because I had this potential and this thought of, I'm gonna go to the next level. Whether that's arena or European league, I knew I could play. I knew my destination was to turn pro in something. And I knew I could play pro ball. I knew it in my fucking blood. And I would always get hit in the fucking backfield. And I remember this one, this one practice, I like broke down and cried in front of my offensive coach. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe how hard I worked this, this summer mm-hmm. leading into this. I've never worked as hard as is my life for this fucking season. And our line sucks. Yeah. Like I'm getting hit in the backfield on a pitch. Yeah. Like, and in a triple option, that's just it, yeah. And I can't, I can't showcase. Yeah, like, I want to go play my dreams, and yeah. this is not going to allow me to do it. Yeah. I remember bawling to him. Yeah, and he was like, "Dude, I know this is horrible." We still ended up good, but like I was fucking jumping over people all junior year. Yeah, running down sidelines, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Now it's Flanning gets the pitch, bam, bam, Dude, bam. So I think sucks. it was uh, those three things. Yeah, sort of opened my eyes to bodybuilding. Yeah, okay. Said if I want to achieve something, it's going to be all me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that that's an intense realization yep. uh to come to to realize you 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 just got to stop relying on other people. Um and it's interesting, I think there's a lot of college athletes that struggle with the transition of what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Like now this is all gone. There's very few people it's funny, um, you and I have a different perspective, I think. I'm not sure how much you watch like the NFL and whatnot. No. I'll like have it on in the background, kind of background noise, or um, I might use it as like a social event. Um, people don't realize how elite, how elite that is. Actually, I was telling Danielle about this the other day. There's now, you can buy one-on-one basketball games with NBA players, like with certain NBA players. You can pay like, uh, a few thousand bucks, I think it is. I can't remember exactly what it was. This dude put out this TikTok. He's like, this TikTok is 75,000 likes. Then I'm going to buy this basketball game with, um, I think, Andre Drummond. Um, and we'll play one-on-one. We'll document everything. And it got, it went viral. It got way more than 75,000 likes. So he buys it. Andre Drummond used to be a really good NBA player. and Like defensively, I think he maybe one defensive player of the year, but he's far past his prime at this point. And he and this guy play. So Andre Drummond, he's not getting minutes in the NBA anymore. I think he's still on teams. I think he's still getting a paycheck. He's not getting many minutes. So you would consider him a not very productive NBA player at this point in his career. But now he's playing this rec league guy. Mm -hmm. Just destroying him. Just whatever he wants to do, he's getting it done. And this guy doesn't have a chance at achieving anything in this one-on-one game. There's people that showed up to watch this. That is cool. It's really cool. And yeah, this guy just got destroyed by Andre Drummond. People don't realize how elite these guys are. It sounds a lot like cuckolding. Like what? Cuckolding. What's that? You know, cuckolding. You like, know. like when the guy sits in the corner and watches his girl get pounded. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. 
Yeah, this Come guy was watch just me a... get destroyed yeah. by a six nine yeah. NBA player. And he's well, bam, well, bam, yeah. well, bam, and just I'm like, he you know he's like jerking off to it after. Like, oh my god, watch, watch me go for this layup. Yeah. Well, boom, <laughs> just block shot, dude. Just didn't have a chance. Oh my god, it kind of was. This all these people showed up to watch this guy get fucked by Andre yeah. Drummond, this seven that... foot tall NBA player, yep. just destroying yep. him. We can call that cuck holding. That's a hundred percent. That's he's a cuck. He just paid seventy five yeah. grand to get cuck. Yeah, to get yeah in front of all these people. But don't worry, he went viral on TikTok. So maybe it was worth it. Who knows? Back to your first impression, the first check in pics you ever sent Dom. Do you remember taking those? Yeah. What What did it feel like? Um, dude, it was like, uh, oh my god, this is gonna sound really weird. We just talked about cuck holding. It can't possibly get weird. It's weirder. like, uh, I'm assuming like what it feels like when you're a girl and you just get tits for the first time. You're like, what do I do with these? So I remember like posing and I've done a couple shows before, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So yeah. I won those shows. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. So I'd send my lap spread like that, you know, slight chest like this. <laughs> and Your facial expression showed you had no clue yeah. what you were doing. Yeah. And I remember um, I was... You know, Goob is, was my very first bodybuilding friend. Yeah. And he's always, he's been the same. We've we've been the same people for seven years or whatever. Yeah. And I remember every time I'd send him pictures to him, he would always say like, you look so shitty. What are these things? I'm like, I don't know how to fix them. This side chest looks horrible. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to do. Posing is the hardest thing about bodybuilding, I for agree. sure. I agree. I very much so agree with that. Learning to showcase your physique. I know you see me talk about this often. My guys who come in, who they need time. You know, I'm always very transparent with them. We need we need a lot of time. When you don't know how to pose, there's no way you know how to train. And we don't know how to train, you don't know how to pose. They go hand in hand. And, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Hey, I want to compete. Okay. Do you know how to diet? True. Do you know how to cook your food? Do you know how to do cardio? Do you know how to train? Do you know how to do this over, you know, six months, 12 months? If you say yes to all those, that's awesome. Now we need to be able to pose. So without posing, none of this fucking matters. So that's a whole different, that's another lesson. I think you should start learning posing right away. I have my guy, David Marshall. Um, he poses with Josiah and Daniel. I think weekly or biweekly, both of them. Um, he's one I posted his his progression recently. On the left, he just did not look good. Like he was a little chubby, a little small, and like now, like he's like he's the one hitting that front lat spread, and like he's like got these cap delts. He's got some quad sweep, but he's lean. Like he he looks like a bodybuilder now. Um, that's been we haven't been together that long. Mm. Like. Um, I think it's been under, it's been under a year and he's made that level of progression. Well, he used to be training footage, just moving weight. Cause that's what people do when you don't know how to find your muscle. You just move the weight. But when you learn how to pose, especially bodybuilding posing in each pose, your entire body is contracting at one time. And people don't realize how difficult that is. Like every muscle in your body is contracting the synchronicity and the neural connection that you have to have is just on another planet. Um, that's why, like, I know when you get body work done and things like that, like I, I just had Hugh over yesterday and Hugh was working with some, some things on me and he's like, it is so easy working on you because you just understand how to move muscles. 
And Mike, that's this is the same thing. Yeah, that's a skill that like they never get to work with. Yep. I think taking posing lessons as early as you possibly can in your bodybuilding career, it's going to have a very transferable progression to what you're doing in your training and the, in the progress that you're making. Would you agree with that? I have a phrase I say to myself, train like you pose. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a great point. If you're doing a lot, you know, if you're doing a pull down, yeah. front pull down, what's that supposed to look like? Like a front double bicep. Yep. Your elbows are forward. You're externally rotated. You're showcasing your lats. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're doing a pull down and your arms are back here, your lats aren't activated. So now you're doing a row. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't translate to a front no. double. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, and more people need to think of it that way too. Like I'm training, I'm, I'm training to pose and I'm posing to win on stage. Um, and yeah, the sooner you can really nail that neural connection, I think the far better your progression has been. You, you and I see it in our people all the time. Um, the mindset evolution, you took those first picks, you sent them to Dom. Now you take picks and you send them to Dom and you're 12 weeks out from the Olympia. What's that mindset difference on check-in day? What's the mindset difference with the way that you're just going about your life? You've learned how to bodybuild, we get that. But you used to send pics and you were nervous, I'm assuming. You were like, oh shit, like I'm not sure if this is good. Now when you send pics, what do you feel? Then Yeah, I guess back in the day, I would send pics and I would always have this uneasy feeling mm -hmm. because I knew I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I knew I could, I could look good, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to showcase it. Like everything looked weird mm -hmm. to me. My back double, my front, ev like every pose. Now... I pretty much know that Dom is going to say, like, if, if, I, if I scroll my last three uh, check-ins, he also he never compliments anyone. He said, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. Mm -hmm. You're 13 weeks out. You're 260 and you look like this. Yeah. This one was after the airport fiasco. Mm -hmm. uh, for those that don't follow my Instagram story, I was stranded for like a whole day with horrible experience at the airport. And he goes, this is you after the airport? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, so now, now I, I look forward to them because I know that I look like I'm, you know, I look like I'm going to the Olympia. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and then all these little tweaks with posing, I'm still working on some things, but it's just, uh, you know, and now it's data. Now I can go back and compare mm -hmm. it's a little different. When you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That was happening in your actual approach to bodybuilding as well. That was happening with the diet. That was happening with the training. That oh, was no, happening with the cardio. Different. Yeah, talk about it. <laughs> I would say it was the opposite, but in a bad way. Okay. I would say back then I had this extreme level of hubris yeah. for dieting, for bodybuilding. Like my way was the highway or my way over the highway. Yeah. I knew exactly what the fuck I was talking about. And then and then over time, I'm, I would challenge myself. So I do challenge everyone. I challenge myself. I'm like, why the fuck was I thinking this? Why was I boasting about this? Why was I doing this? Because I try other things and I'm like, you know, keto diet bodybuilding is not advantageous. No. Not at all. No. And then I I would, I was back then I can, you know, admit this because I'm aware of myself. I was fucking delusional. Yeah. I thought I looked great. And I look back and I'm like, whoa, dude, I've never been fatter. Like, this is not yeah. working for me. <laughs> so now it's, I know what I'm doing, but I still, there's still so much to learn Yeah, about me, about other people, about different methods, about uh, the body. So, so it's, 
it is different for sure. The more you learn and the further you go, the less you realize you actually know. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Um, I look back at myself around that same time frame, maybe 2019, 2020, so a little bit later. Oh, man, I was a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. I knew everything. Yeah. Around the time I started this podcast, I, like, I knew everything. And that arrogance. Yeah. What you don't know. You don't know what you do not know. But in that moment, you have figured some things out. You've built a physique that people are like, hey, man, like you look good. Like, oh, wow. Like, what do you do? You, you, you power lift, like you body build, like you whatever. You look different than everybody else, but like you don't quite look as good as, you know, where you want to go or where your trajectory is. And these little dopamine hits over time kind of make you addicted to finding that next one, I feel like. At least for myself, it did. But they gave me this reassurance in that egocentric state that I was in of, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Mm. I don't know, because at HEB, I look way better than everybody. Yeah. My God, the standard's on the floor. Like, But to me in that moment, to you in that moment, that was the validation that you needed. Um there's a lot of ego death that it takes to become a really good bodybuilder. And I talk about often with like young dudes who come in, like these freaking 20 year old dudes come in and they'll, you know, hire us, but they think they know what they're doing. They don't look like they've trained a day in their life, but they think they know what they're doing. And I just ask them like, what's your resume? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have this greatest resume of all time on, on Saturday, you know, some of you guys will see this, uh, this will come out after, but Hani Rambot and I are live commentating the Texas Pro Men's Open Bodybuilding. I'm nobody next to that guy. But my God, am I eons ahead of where, you know, these 20-year-old egocentric dudes come in and then, and then you don't do what they want to do. So they, you know, they leave you and they'll find a, you don't even look like you work out. Point blank. You don't look like you work out. So if you can't accept that, you're not able to get to that next step. My personal acceptance was when I actually started seeing guys, honestly, like yourself, that was around the time I was trying, I was like really going through a transition of like, dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing actually. Like I have a lot to learn. Yourself, Nick and I become friends. I think Brett and I become friends around that time. Um, And I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah, actually, like the things that they're doing, the things they're saying, the way that they're training, yada, yada, all the way through is vastly different. And that's what it took for me to kind of kill that ego. Was there a challenge that you experienced within your bodybuilding phase where you had to really come to that? You had to quickly grasp that conclusion of, I don't know what I'm doing. And from that challenge or that triumph, there's two routes you can go. Well, I can give myself confirmation bias that, no, I'm just going to keep doing what, I, what it is I'm doing, or I'm going to kill everything that I thought I know, and I'm going to actually open my mind. Did you have that pivotal moment? It happens every year. It's happened the last three years, four years. First thing, first time that I can, you know, looking back was, I thought I had the biggest legs in the NPC. <laughs> yeah. Then I stand Then you saw John, Jonathan, Jonathan Withers. Withers. I'm like, okay, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Especially from the back. Um, so that was one. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, uh, I guess training, uh, this is going to, I don't want to blanket statement this, but training with the newbie all the time, the new fit and not training heavy. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like the thing. Well, now I ditch that and train heavy. Now mm-hmm. I look different. Third one, um, happened this prep where 
and I'm 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 seeing this in my clients, and I'm and I'm seeing this. Dom has, Dom has also expressed this. His clients see what I'm doing, and they're starting to mimic it, mm-hmm. not in a good way. Mm-hmm. The overworker, mm-hmm. overworking in bodybuilding is not the best. Mm-hmm. I've had rhabdo three fucking times. Um, I've had this prep. I was, I was going. I was doing more than the step count that was allotted. Sometimes I would do more cardio. Sometimes I do sprints when he asked me to walk. Like the addiction to overdoing things. That's I love that, and that's and that's the hardest part. So it's funny. I was talking with um, Hunter Lee at the gym yesterday, and he was like, "Great guy. I like him a lot." He was like, "That's you're working hard." So when everyone works hard at the gym for prep, that you know their challenge is to hit not sixty minutes of steps or sixty minutes of stairs. Their challenge is to follow their diet. Your challenge, Ross, is to not do more. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. And it's fucking hard. Like once I'm in a groove, like dude, I just want to fucking go. Yep. Like full out, a hundred percent all the time. But I know. And I had a long time to talk with Dom. I can't do that again. But especially if I want to do this for another fucking 10, 12 years. So that is my, that's my challenge. Yeah. Going into the next off season and yeah. this prep. I hate that this triggers me so hard. Okay. Because my last prep, that was me. Um, this, what I'm going through right now. Phil Viz really humbled me yesterday and in a great way, in a very great way. Ross, I, how many fucking injuries have I had this year? We had the back. I I have a lat now that I have, I can't fucking train this. It hurts so bad. I'm in so much pain with this lat because I'm doing these. We got that pullover machine. Oh yeah. At lift. I'm 300 pounds for 15 reps. These, you know, controlled eccentrics, pausing in the stretch pulling the adductor oh yeah remember the adductor the low back the lat the pec the the pec tear the mm-hmm. uh partial tear it's i'm training way too hard i'm doing way too much well i'm using assisted reps are you training too hard or are you training too heavy so great point at first it was training too heavy so t and i scaled things back substantially we scaled things back quite a bit. Our rep ranges are pretty high right now. The volume's um, really over 15 in everything that we're doing. I don't feel like you can possibly be too heavy in the over 15 rep range. What do you think? I don't know because that's that's uh, relative. Like if I'm in the leg press mm-hmm. and I say to if I go into my dark spot mm-hmm. and I have multiple dark spots – I read, let's say the red line analogy, redlining, and then you fucking have three tanks of nitrous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My red line, let's say 10 plates on each side mm-hmm. for 15. It's my max set. But then I say like, if I go fucking nuts mm-hmm. and swap or put on some bands or maybe a, another four plates and I still get 15 and then I do it again for another 15, like where's the law of diminishing returns? So I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. 
why I'm going to take Phil's word on this is because he found that law of diminishing returns and he continually kept going and kept getting into the place where it's like, dude, this is stupid as fuck to do. Why are you doing this? John, he and John Meadows had a conversation. I remember John Meadows talking about this as well, but he and John Meadows had conversations about like, Phil, what, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Who, who's it for? Who are you trying to impress? Right. And you and I have the same issue here of it's this internal dialogue of like, dude, like, yeah, I've got traumas. I've got demons. I've got dark spots. I like whatever the fuck you want to call it. Well, what triggered it yesterday was the leg press video. And Phil messaged me one off because he's like, dude, this is too much. Like you're doing too much here. How many reps did you get? So last set of the day, nine plates per side. Are you familiar with that pre-core leg press? Um, Brutal. It's very challenging. Not sure. Yeah, nine plates per side is really, really hard. And I hit 20. Okay. So going into the set, I tell Thomas and Alyssa, whatever it takes, I'm going 20. So at 14, they start helping me. And I went to 20. Last set of the day. We're torched. I have this low back injury. I have, you know, like it's it's I'm, so I'm just going being stupid. so far down. But I'm like, dude, like just once say I want to like feel something. I want to like feel that. Yeah, you want the adrenaline. Yeah. You want to get punched in the mouth. That's what I want. You I want to get it. punched in the mouth so you, you so you can punch him back. Yep. Yeah. And every single it's it's internal dialogue. I used to be so external motivated, like Ross did this, 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 this so I'm gonna do this, this, this. <laughs> that I just don't give a f it this is a Justin thing. Yeah. And I think you have that. It's a Ross thing. Yeah. I just love proving to myself that you know what? Like, number one, you're you're still a bad motherfucker. You're strong as hell. Like, go get it, dude. Go chase it. Number two, you're better than you've ever been, so go prove it in the work. And number three, like, dude, just have this outlet. Like, have this moment and take it. It's stupid. It's dude, stupid. I am right there with you, yeah. bro. We should probably chill out a little bit. Yeah. For me, I, I tell, I explain it to, to people like the little angel demon on my shoulder. Yeah. Got the angel saying, Ross, you shouldn't be doing a hip press yeah. while you're doing rhabdo, while you have rhabdo. The demon, the demon's like, no, you've got the fucking Olympia in 14 weeks. I need you to do this with one leg and I need you to do it. I need you to do one legged hip press with the same weight as people do with two, pl- yep. two plates yep. or two legs. Yep. And I want controlled three seconds on the way down. I want to pause and explode out. And then I'm like, fuck, who should I listen to? Yeah. Well, I'm going to shut this motherfucker up. The, yeah. Or the the angel telling me not to do it. Yeah. Because I want that battle. It's like, competitive I want, yeah. excellence, mm-hmm. dude. It's like, it's that fourth and one mentality. Yeah. And dude, when we were 25, man, I go for dude, it. Dude, I like, love that it. fourth and one mentality. Yeah, yeah. Fourth yeah. and inches, fourth and one. Like That's what it is. Dude, You're at the fourth, goal line, bro. Fourth quarter, fourth and one. Yeah. Man the fuck up. Yeah. And run it down the fucking a-hole. It's kind of toxic. It is. It's pretty toxic. But- I would rather be, in, in in Dom's perspective, I'd rather be that athlete than the 90% athletes I coach that I cannot get them to train harder than a fucking female. I agree. Like the girls I see lifting at the gym or the girls that are on my team, tra- like objectively train harder than the males. I agree. I saw a kid at factory doing working sets. Mm-hmm of double leg hip press. This is an aspiring bodybuilder with one and a quarter on each side. One and a quarter, and he's dying. And I'm like, I've seen chicks every freaking day on this machine rep out 
at least four plates on hacks on hip press. And you're going to tell me you have testicles, testosterone, (laughs) possibly PEDs. You have different bone structure. Yeah. And you're getting wiped pathetic by females. It's absolutely pathetic. And 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 I, I we probably spoke about this. I think that's a microcosm of what's happening to the males. It is. Like they're pudgy, fat, yeah. low test cucks. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, that's sorry, guys. That was a full <laughs> rant. I love when you get in rant mode. God, you know damn. how many messages I get about Ross in rant mode? People love that shit. People love. I've I put and every male's plan. Yeah, it's it literally says. Your last, ignore the workout plan. Your last set of every exercise. I need an AMRAP. Yeah. With a drop set of an AMRAP. Yeah. And they send me this shit and it's like this. <laughs> How is it so casual? How is it looking around? I know. And then they'll drop it. And then I'm like, okay, send it next week. But this time put the weight in the reps. Yeah. And it's just so odd that it. Ends exactly at 15 reps Every on time. both. How? As many as possible, and it's clear 15 reps. <laughs> I know. I know. What blows my mind? Do you not follow us on Instagram? I know. Do you not see this? What we Do you post? see how I'm training? What? The, the, the worst is when you're asking yourself this. Are you even following this? I know. This is free content. Yeah. That objectively will help you. Yeah. In your coaching journey, yeah. it helped me because now I'm not wasting my time watching 75 weeks of training footage. Mm-hmm. And then the stuff I'm correcting that you keep on sending me, I'm post a video and who the fuck liked the video? You. Ew. So you fucking <laughs> saw the video and you said, yeah. fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> happens all the time. Do you not put yourself in a position of, wow, you know what? Like, so, so, so back to a point before I miss the point. Uh, yeah, what we'll, we we'll, we'll, we'll go down that rabbit hole, that tangent. Phil, Phil said it, you said it. I would rather have an athlete be able to go to that point where I have to tell them to chill out. Pull out yeah. And I have a few athletes and I, 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 I have quite a few athletes that I have to tell chill out. And I would rather have that than, and th- that's a skill you need to learn. I mean, dude, Ross, so my next question for you was talking about how your training has has evolved from like when you send those picks to now. And I want to go ahead and butt in on that because when I started training, I was looking for an outlet for how hard track practice was. So I was running D1 track in the AC, in the A, in the uh, A, we were in the Big East first okay. and then the AAC second. Dude, we're in the Big East. You know who's in the fucking Big ACC East? ACC or AAC? Um, AAC was the second conference. When the Big East dissolved uh, for like football, we went to the AAC, Cincinnati. Oh, okay. And oh. the Big East, we're running against fucking Notre Dame. Yeah. They are insane. Our track practices, I was a sprinter, were just miserable, dude. I mean, I could like say what we did because I could never possibly forget. And unless you've ever actually done it, you just can't quite understand what it was. I mean, I'm talking like repeat 300s where you had to be under 40 seconds and then 39 seconds and then 38 seconds. You just like repeat. And what was our rest? I think, oh, our rest was just walk to to the 300. So we'd start at the 300 mark where 300 hurdles would start. You sprint into the finish line. You don't stop. You keep walking. Head up. If you need water, the trainers will meet you. You and as soon as you get there, you got to go. And we got timers. Well, you don't want to do it by yourself. So you want to do it with the boys. Yep. 
all together. So you've got to walk at whatever pace that Darnell or Maurice is was walking at. And Darnell and Maurice are killers. And they're trying to beat each other for the 400-meter dash title in the fucking Big East. I've got to walk with them at their pace. And when they start, I've got to start. Because if I just stay a little bit behind Darnell and Maurice, which is not easy to do, then I'm going to beat the time. Guess what happens if you don't beat the time? You got to redo it. Mm -hmm. And the time is grueling. And we got five or six of these on a day. And that might sound like, <laughs> might not sound like much. That is the bodybuilding training so easy compared to that. So I got into training and I would go in and I would just do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 on every single thing that I did, balls out, minimal rest in between, just go absolutely ballistic. And then I fucking pyramid back up. That's how I learned to train. It's not right. Mm -hmm. But I learned this extreme level of effort at a super young age. That now, dude, like I'm getting these fucking 20 year old dudes that are sending me this training footage, and I'm like, what in the fuck is that? Like, like right now, you are at your most adaptable, ad adaptable state ever. You go into the gym and you pick something up and you should grow from it, but you're not changing. Like, what are you doing? What is going on? How did your training change from when you? Well, can I? Yeah, yeah, go question? ahead. Because I've, I've conversed about this dilemma with a lot of other coaches. You know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, okay? There's people on your roster where it's like, you've tried everything and nothing is working. You still look like you don't have a gym membership. Yeah, and and you're sitting there like, I know this happens to me like every, probably every quarter where I get like five of these people and I start questioning myself like, do I know what the fuck I'm doing? Mm -hmm. But then I get a sign up from a guy, two guys that do, that actually, um, adhere to what I say and they're fucking killing it. Killing it, dude. But I'm like, why are you, I've upped your drugs. I First off, you're natural. Mm -hmm. Then I put you on drugs. Mm -hmm. I up your food. I up your cardio. I lower your food. I lower your cardio. I lower your drugs. I've done everything to change the stimulus and you look the same. Makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. This is science. Like, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Or you're on the extreme end of the bell curve and you just can't fucking respond to anything. You're a complete non-responder. The 0.01% of people, and there's no way you're that. Because like I've worked with one of those people in my 10, 11 years of doing this. I've had one mm -hmm. who's a legitimate non-responder. And that person doesn't know. I'm, I would never you know, chat about it. But like one person ever. So you're not that person. But now get into the question, how's your training changed from when you started to now? I will answer it like Ross always does with an <laughs> answer that's not related. The RF beat around. <laughs> yes. But it's linked to Maurice and uh, who? Darnell. Darnell. Yeah. So in college football, we had about four different modalities of conditioning mm -hmm. after practice. One of them was called corners, mm -hmm. where you were with your position group at each corner of the of the turf. And the, the objective was, well, in – as I was a freshman and sophomore, we viewed it as conditioning is punishment. Mm -hmm. Something we had to do, we hated it, it sucked. So this is a mindset sort of thing. Freshman year, sophomore year, none of us played, and this was punishment, so it was miserable. And our goal was to, to run the entire corners of the field, like a track, and stay in a group to set the pace. 
if you had one person outside of that group, the person in the front set the pace. So the goal was to all run in a huddle because mm -hmm. we're all getting punished. Mm -hmm. My junior year and my soft, my senior year, me and the other running back were like, we had a switch of mindsets. We're like, we're not doing this for punishment. We're doing this because we want to get better and we want to win championships. So what did we do? We didn't run with that herd. Me and him tried, tried to beat each other every fucking lap. And we were really, really good. And so, so what I'm trying to say is when you're approaching training or bodybuilding, for me, it was, oh, I got to do my cardio. Oh, I got to do back day. Oh, I got to do deadlifts. Now it's, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to fucking kill cardio. If Even if it's a walk to Starbucks for my morning activity, that is going to be business. Like that's an opportunity for me to get better. I've got chest today in 30 minutes. I am going to absolutely fuck it up. And I finally have that with Cody. Like we're, we're, we've missed two training days together this week because of the schedule, but leg day, like we'll text each other like, dude, we got to fucking murder this. And that is the mindset. Cause I know some of the clients I have, they're like, Oh, I got legs. Uh, it's leg day. I hate leg day. I hear it in the gym factory. I see the guys, they walk into the gym. They immediately go to the leg extension, half-ass leg extension, half-ass leg press, yeah. uh, half-ass ham curls, yeah. then do calves and they get the fuck home. Yeah. And guess what? You look the same. You do the same thing with your diet. Oh, I got to eat all this food. Oh, I got to eat my six meals. Switch your mindset. Hey, it's leg day. I'm going to warm up properly because I'm going to kick the shit out of myself. And that's why I'm a winner. So does that answer your question? I love that. How do we say you've never been an athlete before? That's tough. It's really it tough, tough to like never been a competitive athlete and, and understood competitive excellence. And then like you want to do something like bodybuilding, which like bodybuilding as a standalone sport is so difficult because it's standalone. It's just you. And it's all you, day. You have your coach. It's all day. You have your coach, but like you can leave here and go get McDonald's at 12 weeks out from the Olympia. You can crush it and you know, you can make up for it later or whatever, but it's not really quite how it works, right? Like you're, it's just, it's just not going to work that way. Um, I'm not saying it's more difficult than football. It's more difficult than anything else. If you've never experienced these things, though, how do you, like, learn? How do you just, like, learn to fucking drive it and and, and take it to that place? That's a, that's a good question. Man. I know. I don't have I an don't, answer. I don't have an answer for that because I don't know. I've never experienced it. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of time. It does. I think. Oh, shit. I'm going to answer this off, off air mm -hmm. so we can skip. We can skip that one. Yeah. We'll come back to it. Behind the scenes, I like this question. Okay. What's something people have no idea about high-level bodybuilding? Oh. What's really going on? <laughs> I have some thought processes. Okay. My, the first thing that came, comes to my mind, mm -hmm. people are going to only focus on that, which is not the, the – it's – it's not the, it's fucking expensive. You got to be making fat stacks or get the hookup on some stuff. Cause the, you know, to get to, to do whatever it takes and to do it at all costs, costs money. Mm -hmm. You're talking about over the counter supplements, blood work, um, 
you know, PEDs, uh, ancillaries, like non-traditional PEDs, um, the food costs, gym membership, the coach, like you gotta, you gotta at least have, I would say 20 K in dumpable money a year to do bodybuilding at a high level. I agree. Um, but all of that stuff doesn't matter mm-hmm. if your foundation isn't where it should be. And that's sleeping, that's eating, that's cardio, that's training, all that stuff. What about you? My answer would be we focus so much on genetics and, and androgens or growth hormone or insulin. Um, I like how you call the non-traditional PEDs. Dude, those things, like when you get to a high level of bodybuilding, um, I would say even starting for myself, someone who's like a reaching to the top NPC level, they're very important. They're just as the amino asylum subs. That's just as important as my testosterone shots, mm-hmm. my growth hormone, my insulin. That's just as important. Yep. The people who are really making a ton of progress, you look at them and you're like, oh, like, you know, what drugs? What, dude, honestly, what probably happened? They probably dialed in their routine. They probably started eating really high quality foods Digesting all the time. It. They probably focus on fixing their digestion. What makes the most progress is the things that are the least sexy. Yep. Um, all the time. So I would say those two things are really important. Um, I don't want to skim over the non-traditional PEDs thing, like the the max endurance that helps you get more out of your training sessions, though it helps you to go further. The pumps, dude, dude, I just stopped taking the the pumps off, even a small dosage. Like if wherever I was taking it, and then I go into like work and it would just be like restricting from mm-hmm. my ability to focus on the task at hand. Because the pump was because my I was staying so pumped. Like it, it works too well. <laughs> it works literally too well. Um the I like MK677 if your blood glucose is under control or if you're using insulin, I like that. People use that. Um, I like, what else do I use for amino asylum? Um, I love like the Cialis. The, the I, I love that for, yeah, for blood pre- for uh, blood pressure control. Like, yeah, there's sexual benefits from it, but like when you're running a lot of androgens, you're kind of already taken care of in that component. Um, like, People focus so much on the drugs and maybe they focus even on the OTC subs, but like that, the actual performance metrics are being pushed. Everyone's kind of running the same drugs. When we get to the top, everyone's running the same fucking drugs. There's no special drugs and stuff. Everyone knows about Trustalone. Everyone knows about DHB. Everyone knows about whatever, dude, super droll. Everyone knows about all those things, but man, like, dude, there's a lot of injections to like actually make a ton of progress. And I've talked to you about this before. I don't love the, inj- I mean, I'm, I inject a lot, dude. I, I'm in, and it's not about androgens. It's not about androgen load. It's about the other things that are helping me get to that point. It's the stampede. It's the cardabolic. It's all those things, man. People don't realize how important those are. I would say after this conversation, the, th- what was the original answer or sorry, question? What's going on behind the scenes that okay. most people don't realize. So I would reframe that question. Mm-hmm. I think we both answered it very well. But I would say the thing that is most undermined, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. In bodybuilding is doing it every day. Like that's where, with like entrepreneur entrepreneurial stuff, there's no secrets, yeah. you know? 
the the person that wakes up every day and works like a master at their craft or at their business intelligently, consistently every single day versus the entrepreneur that works five out of the seven days, we all know who's going to be more successful. Most likely, it's going to be the one that's working every day towards it. Dude, you got to work every day. You got to work every day. So you have to do this stuff every day. Your rest days are just important as your training days. The more active, important. they're more. Important. Yeah, yeah. It's harder to rest yep. than it is to train. Yep. But you literally cannot grow unless you're resting. Mm -hmm. You literally cannot grow. It doesn't matter how much you're taking. The rest days are so hard because then it's like, what do I do with my hands? Dude, Ross, I finally nailed the rest days and I'm making the best progress ever, even though I have a ton of injuries. When, once the training gets to the point where my rest days are, I sit my ass on the fucking couch, Ross. I sit my ass. I, I'm, I'm not getting 20,000 fucking steps nope, anymore. Dude, I sit on the fucking couch. Mine, I get in the pool. Yeah. Mine is do wake up, do cardio in 3,000 steps a day oh my God. for three days a week, three rest days. So the only thing that allows me to do that is I have to get high. Yeah, dude. I have to sink into the couch. Yep. And that's the only time I watch Netflix. Yeah. I have to do it. Oh my God. That's me working hard. Did you have guilt when you started watching Netflix? Yes. I have so much still. I'm working yep. through it. I have so much guilt when I'm watching Netflix. It's like anxiety plus guilt. Yeah. Because if I'm on YouTube, I'm learning something. Yep. I can't just mindlessly watch YouTube learning something like on your rest days for a lot of people that's great but like as entrepreneurs who we are so busy in everything we do dude i'm forcing you turn on fucking netflix and just zone out yeah how much can you smoke like dude that, that's my edible days yeah that's my edible days because yep. then i won't want to move i won't want to go anywhere at all um last big question i have for you i'm not sure if you've ever actually thought about this because you're not some big legacy guy i am that's why I brought body money back to Texas. And I take so much pride in that. What legacy do you want to leave on bodybuilding right now? You're going to your first Olympia. This is your first of many Olympias. My, one of my greatest pleasures in life. And I've never said this out loud to anybody. I'm going to say it right now to you, because this is a special weekend for me. Um, it's the first week that you and I've been co-presidents of TM. I really want you to find a suit so you can you can hand out that first place trophy with me. You have to be in a suit. You can't do it without a suit. Dude, I cannot get a suit in time. You got to tell me ahead of time, bro. I might have something that works for you. Okay, I might. Jacoby's pro debut. I, I love. That's my brother. I I really feel like he's my brother. He's he's my family. He's my blood. I get to live stream this with Hani Rambod. There's weekend. no one I look up to more than Hani Rambod. And it's my motherfucking show mm. in the biggest state, the biggest, baddest bodybuilding state. I brought this back. Potentially the biggest, best show too. This is my Line legacy up. weekend and I get to have it every year right now. Mm -hmm. This is a really special weekend for me, but I have this goal, this vision in my head that one day you and Justin both win this show. Justin at 212 you in pro bodybuilding and I know I'll have people, you know, competing and winning, you know, AJ and I already won this show. That was really special, but you and Justin winning this, mm -hmm. you know, Danielle, when she's a pro Noah, she could win this. Who else, you know, who else really close to me can win this. There's things coming up that are cementing my legacy. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about me outside. It's my, mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. And they're all kind of right in front of me. What do you want your legacy to be? And how close are you to achieving that legacy? I have, uh, I guess, multiple answers or multiple facets of this question. One, I want to be known for changing the way people view food. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and eat food, mm-hmm. especially in the bodybuilding community. Um, I want to be known for one of the most consistently performing bodybuilders, like a Dexter Jackson mm-hmm. with condition. Mm-hmm. And I want to be looked at as one of those guys that had no business being here, but I'm the top. Because mm-hmm. what because what that does is it gives. So I I'm I'm always torn between the concept of hope. Because you can't just hope for things, but if you've seen that study with rats, did you just have you seen the water study with rats? Elaborate a little bit. I'm sure there's I have. a tank of water. Yeah. And there's rats. Yeah. Okay. And they're swimming. I've seen this. Yep. And they sink to the bottom. But when they're exposed to an opportunity to get out, then they keep swimming and they survive. So in that sense, the hope is very real. And I love it. I want to be hope for people that look at themselves in the mirror and say, I have nothing, Mm -hmm. but I want this. Because I'm not Phil Heath. I'm not... Uh, you know, and yeah, I'm not these dudes that you look in the mirror and like they're born and you know, they're going to have like, they could eat pizza <laughs> like Kevin Lockett. That motherfucker was eating pizza all prep. Michael Lockett. Yeah. yeah Michael Lockett. Sorry. I'm not that guy. I, I have to diet hard. Yeah. I have to cardio hard. I have to train hard. I have to be consistent. So, so being that voice, that image for dudes that, that want something that have a dream and they, and they have an example to look up and say, this guy went from shit and I've followed him for the last 15 years. I remember him winning this show and then, you know, doing this show and, and the whole thing with the edibles. Mm-hmm. And then when he won Cali and then when he, this, and then when he won the Arnold classic and they won top five of the Olympia, like that trajectory, all why flavor gang is dominating the fucking mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. That would be, that's the legacy I want for sure. It'll happen. Yeah, I know it will. It'll everything happen. that I've, everything I say I'm going to do, I do. Yeah. You really have a goal to win the Olympia? Um, I said this, I don't know if I said this to you before, but I know I've said it to someone. For, for my goal setting, I have to reach a point mm-hmm. before I set a goal. So like, I can't be in first grade and say I want a master's degree in economics. Yeah. Like I need to get to high school first. I need to get to freshman year and then I can set that goal. So my first goal to check all this would be top 10 at the Olympia. Once I get top 10, then it would be top five. I can't just roll up and just say, I'm going to get, I'm going to win the Olympia. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think goal setting has to be, it has to be outlandish a little bit, but also has to be realistic. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I agree with realistic goals. Um, I think having overarching goals that like these little steps lead into is very beneficial, but you come in and you say that you want to achieve something that's so great. It's like a Holy grail, but you haven't even taken the first step. You're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, exactly. You've been bodybuilding for how long, Ross? How many years? Um, how many years have you been actually like, not Dom. You were bodybuilding before Dom. I was half-ass bullshit yeah. bodybuilding. Maybe eight, for, nine years. Um, for four. Yeah. Okay. For four, and then yeah, from 2014 to 2018. So about nine years. Yeah, about nine years. Yeah. But every year has been 
in terms of intensity and seriousness and consistency, consistency, just like this. Yeah. So I didn't definitely went from 2014 here to me now, like totally different. Yeah. Totally different. I would say I'm at about six years of actual bodybuilding. And I would actually say you and I's trajectory for the success we've had in the sports pretty fast. When you come into bodybuilding, this is for the guys. This is for the guys. You come into bodybuilding, you really need to plan for eight years. Yeah. To even think about, like, like you want to be a pro, but for what? Like, you want to be a pro to, like, do well? You want to be a pro to look like you deserve being a pro. Maybe not do well. Like, you, you look like you should be up there. I know dudes that have turned pro in, like, bantamweights. Like, yeah. You're 130 that, pounds, that dude. That count. That doesn't count. 80 pounds to gain. Yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> I just, that, that, that shouldn't even be a thing. It shouldn't. Um, you, you need a lot eight years. And so, you know, you want this to happen really fast and overnight and like you're making fast progress, yada, yada, the consistency. I love that you said that. And that's a note that I hope doesn't get swept under the rug from this podcast because we talked about a lot of good stuff. And I, I always appreciate you and what you bring to the podcast. That consistency is everything. And like it's something you, you and I both struggle with consistency over the years. It's not easy to do that. I mean, speaking for myself, I just... Just last year, before I started bodybuilding up again in May, I was off for about seven, eight months because I just, it just was not, I, my mind was not set up for a place for me to be able to do it with the level of coaching I had to give people. Yep. And it, it's hard. That's why there's levels to it. There's levels to it. And I think if there's one thing you really take away from this, it's going to take a long ass time, but you look at someone like Ross and what I hate about it is some of you didn't know Ross. You haven't known Ross since before he was on the podcast or before he won the show or whatever. Um, this wasn't overnight. There's a lot of work that's gone into this. And I hope that you guys are able to put that work in because I look at where Ross is at now and I'm like, dude, like you're sitting in that chair and something about it is it fires me up because I'm like, Ross can do it. Ross is in this chair on this podcast. Justin Shire was just on my podcast. Nick was just on my podcast. You guys are all here. And you guys are 12 weeks out. So why can't I? Why can't I be 12 weeks out two or three? If you look at fucking Nick Walker's first show. I know. He looked like goofy. What the fuck? His head was so big. (laughs) Why was his head so big and his body so small? I know. I I mean, and and he's a genetic freak. No, he, he, I mean, yeah, he is, but he didn't miss for eight years. He literally didn't miss anything for eight years. Mm -hmm. And now his life's a little bit more lax days. He's got to the top like he can be. Um, So, Ross, I appreciate you coming on. And he got chest day coming up. Yes, sir. Um, I'm fired up for you. I know you'll be on a ton more before the Olympia. Um, but as always, like us, love us, share us with your friends. We love chatting with you guys. And Ross will be back on super soon. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.